co-host Li Xing and I will go over the week's most important and interesting news coming out of the China EV, AV, and mobility sectors. What Lei and I discussed today is based on our opinions and should not be taken as investment advice. If you enjoy this room, please help us get the word out to other enthusiasts. And of course, tune in again next week. My name is Tu Li. I am the Managing Director of Sino Auto Insights, a global management consultancy that helps organizations bring innovative and tech-focused products and services to the transportation and mobility sectors. I write a free weekly newsletter that we pull many of our discussion topics from. You can sign up for it at SinoAutoInsights.com, which of course, I encourage you all to do. Good afternoon, Lei. Can you please introduce yourself? Good afternoon. Uh, this is your co-host, Lei Xing, former chief editor of China Auto Review, and this is episode number 96. So we just got off a panel discussion with our good friend Edison from Deutsche Bank. So we're probably going to repeat some of what we said. But let's start off with Ford and CATL. So my question to you, is Ford desperate? I think that This is a trial balloon to see the reaction from the U.S. government, from media, from their constituents in the United States. And I do think that they really do need more so than their crosstown rival GM to have successful sales in 2023, specifically in the U.S. market. So I won't go as far as to say they are desperate, but they are in need of some significant wins and continuing on with growth in sales of the F-150 Lightning and the Mustang Mach-E. What about you? How do you you think? Well, just to remind everyone that the the story, uh, the latest story is that that Ford is considering um, an interesting tactic which is possibly uh, owning a, a plant. So 100% owned by Ford. This is being considered in Michigan and the other one in Virginia. Uh, this is out of a Bloomberg report. So 100% owned by Ford, but with technology provided by CATL, kind of to by- bypass the IRA requirements. So that, that's why I, I kind of ask you, uh, Ford is desperate. But I guess my take is is the geopolitical part of it is is a huge play here because Michigan is kind of an underdog. We already know Goshen and One have committed to investment in Michigan. And with CATL uh, having had to delay that announcement. So so, uh, a lot of things are played here, right? And earlier, Ford made a commitment to Tennessee or was it, no, no, sorry, Kentucky. Kentucky, yeah. Significant investment in Kentucky along with their other, one of their other battery partners. Uh, I want to say SK, right? It's SK and then GM is LG. Is LG, right? yeah. And so I think they need a local win and whether Michigan sweetens the deal, we we shall see. But, you know, part of the narrative is now there's the this battery belt. That extends from Michigan Michigan to Georgia. But the problem I think many people will have is that this is a loophole and it doesn't follow the spirit of the Inflation Reduction Act. Right. And so 
I believe that if if I'm extending out that question that you asked earlier about is for desperate, I'll say this. I don't think GM or Ford in the United States can be successful with their production schedule or their forecast for 23 and beyond without BYD or CATL on the LFP side. So the new the wrinkle with Ford is that they already have a relationship with BYD in China because as you know Lei, BYD supplies them NCM battery cells for the Mustang, the locally built in Nanjing, no in Chongqing, the locally built Mustang Mach E. So a couple ways to read that, right? But I'll let you kind of talk about it. Yeah, maybe not, not desperate, but it's clear that this LFP is important to Ford. There's a specific chemistry route that they're going, and they probably see CATL as the best supplier uh, for that. And they don't see, I don't believe any of the automakers, whether you're a U.S., a Japanese, Korean, German, if you're building in the U.S. and you want some of that Inflation Reduction Act money, you have to get it from somewhere. And that's where Ford, if they save or create subsidies on the component or the the, the savings and, and kickbacks on the component side, then they can take a hit on the raw material side and kind of even out on the pricing side. So Yeah, because it almost feels like Ford is shielding CATL. They are. In a way. I think they are they are definitely protecting CATL, which it puts CATL in a precarious position with the Chinese government and the US government, right? Yeah. Because the other thing about CATL being the global leader in LFP and global leader in battery cell manufacturing. Let's just say full stop. They, In order to maintain that title, they still need to build more facilities in North America because you can't just supply to China and still be the global leader. I think BYD would overtake them eventually if BYD was to also build factories in the US. So CATL, right. this is not the only factory that CATL will be building. And so, yeah, the Ford, you're... You're absolutely right. Ford is providing them cover fire in order to enter the United States. And I guess the other big major part of this being played is that 35 kilowatt hour per $35 per kilowatt hour kind of subsidy being subsidized, right? And that's important. And also, we're still waiting for the Treasury to actually hash out a lot of the details in the uh, components requirements, right? Yes, the ink is still not dry yet. And so they're probably getting an earful from their European counterparts, their Japanese counterparts, their Korean counterparts, as well as the lobbyists from Ford, Stellantis, GM, even CATL and BYD likely in Washington, D.C. to soften some of the hardened language for the requirements at least, right? And then meanwhile, CATL just signed a strategic cooperation with Huawei yeah, I saw that. The Frying Print says they're working on a high-end smart EV brand. I'm not sure if that's pointing to uh, existing ones or, or there will be another new brand coming out, but it's interesting to read that. I read that as a new brand. New brand. So. I, I, I think so as well. And 
CATL has invested into several OEMs already. So the, this 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 play with Huawei is is encompasses I think quite a lot of different brands because Huawei is not only working with Ceres, right? They they also teamed up with other OEMs. So this this is could be a potential huge play here. And to piggyback on our conversation this morning, Huawei has become a major player in the EV space without becoming (laughs) an EV maker. (laughs) And we see that all these companies really, what they want to do is move upstream. They don't want to, they actually don't want to manufacture cars, but they want the data. And in order to get that data and the install base, they need to build and design compelling cars. It's not enough to have a contract with lay EV company. If lay EV companies' cars aren't selling, then it's useless, right? No install base, no data. And so I think, because last week, Apple announced that they're also, well, they didn't announce, but there's a rumor that they're delaying launch of the Apple car for another year out to 2026, okay? And because I feel, I've been told, that they're just not seeing a path to profitability and the amount of effort involved is at this point in time still not worth entering the market yet. Yeah. And when so so I made this bet like you'll you'll think this is pretty funny with a German friend of mine here and I said that Magnus Steyr would eventually be building their own cars within the next 5 or 6 years. I bet money on that. And he was like, no, they supply, they do this, they do that. And I said, look at Foxconn. And uh, they're just kind con- no, they actually have their own brand in Taiwan. And so all these guys, Huawei wants to eventually be an EV maker, not because they want to build cars, but because I don't think they can trust or rely on their partners to sell enough vehicles. Yeah, that's an interesting bet. We'll see. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so back to ground zero. In China, basically, I think <laughs> we don't have to go into details, but it's a mess. <laughs> well, I guess it feels like they're just gonna let let it rip, right? Let it, yeah, let it play out. And interesting, while this is going on, the Guangzhou Auto Show is being held at the end of this year. So, and and from what I've heard, there's. It's going to be more of a dealership, dealer presence rather than OEM brands announcing launches or reveals because there's no way to plan it, right? Within two weeks, you only have two weeks of time to, to kind of do whatever you want to do. So, you know. It's... The only thing that's <laughs> worth mentioning at this point in the year is Neo Day. Yes. <laughs> from, a, from a vehicle manufacturer globally, not, not, not just China. Yeah, uh, there are no there are no significant announcements outside of Neo Day until CES. Yeah, so interesting. They right, China no longer reports asymptomatic cases because they can't. <laughs> and uh, just, I'm 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 actually very very glad I haven't heard about any of my friends, any of their family, any of their colleagues or associates having too serious of symptoms that it has hospitalized anyone. So I think the Chinese government knew that this variant wasn't 
as deadly as Delta. And all these things align to allow them to let it rip. <laughs> there was this Wall Street Journal article on, on 5% GDP dar- target next year. And, and this guy from NDRC, Holy Phone, so he's going to be the top economic czar, sort of. For for um, next year and going forward, and clearly, I think I think the decisions were probably made to let this happen some time ago, up at the very top, uh, because the underlying, the bottom line is economy, right? We have this new guideline coming out to boost domestic consumption, so there's these signals that that point to it can no longer sustain the zero COVID policy, so. There is 12 trillion RMB on the sidelines right now because people have not been able to spend any money, significant amounts of money in China outside of the automotive sector fairly. Yeah, right. Speaking, speaking of, right? So, so I mean, sales remain strong. We talk about EV sales. You want to mention anything, anything that you want to, um, you have to... Yeah, you know, I think that you and I, you know, let's talk a little bit about 2023 and some of the, the let's some of the highlights from our conversation investor call this morning. I think you and I are in agreement that we could see China getting to almost nine million units next year, which is a lot slower growth than 2021 and 2022. We could see, I can see 50% growth in Europe and the United States, but would which would mean almost 3 million units in Europe. And that would be close to a million and a half units in in the United States. And so there is still going to be lingering uh, effects of the recession, inflation fears for at least the first half of the year. And so this is actually good for the automakers as they line up more supply consistent supply of batteries and sort out the chip situation because now I'm reading and I'm being told that there is a glut of chips on the gray market. And so chips should not be an issue in 2023. Much lesser of an issue. Yes. And we should see a huge scramble, even more than we've seen once the IRA language has been finalized and the United States turns the corner on 2022 to figure out who else is investing in the US, where will they be investing, who plans to enter the market to take advantage of the subsidies. We already know that VinFast and Zeker plan on US IPOs early in the year. I think that's exciting news. The one thing about VinFast is that Really, really nag article that was written. <laughs> Jalopnik, yeah. And so I think he's pretty legit journalist. So it's interesting to see as they enter the United States via imports from Vietnam. So they're on their way, right? 999 units. Yes. On their way. And we had a couple of spin in, in a VF8. Thought it was all right, but it was only 
what couple of minutes so can't really say too much but anyways so next year and we and we didn't drive and we didn't drive (laughs) (laughs) we were driven so the general outlook i guess is is overall total market including everything is flat but nevs will continue to grow albeit at a slower pace with the export momentum continue to be strong we just saw lincoln co export uh to israel Right. Yeah. So we're we're starting to see these these every other day, some Chinese brand goes to an international market. So those are the momentum. But the wild card, I think, is back to that guidelines to spur domestic consumption. Whether anything will co- come out to kind of again the, the ICE portion of the market. What's happening there is still a majority of the market. Will there continue to be stimulus? Watch out. Because at the end of the day, it's it's not NEV consumption. It's consumption. And automotive has really carried a lot of the, this consumption, right? And this is probably where the European and foreign automaker lobbyists are talking to their government counterparts in China as well. Because one of the things that you had mentioned in this morning's call was that the subsidies for vehicle sales or vehicle purchase that were launched earlier this year. Middle of this year. Yeah, middle of this year that weren't limited to NEVs has really helped the ICE makers read closely the legacy automakers in China. It's kind of artificially kept them floating. Yeah. And I think that's an important point to make. Yeah. A lot of suspense hanging in the air uh, because of this uh, guiding outline that, that's been published. So expect to see details, support, policy support. So Yeah, in January, we'll also see the finalized language. And then there's going to be all kinds of analysis about the loopholes, the strict restrictions, complete restrictions for raw materials, components, and manufacturing in the United States. Right. So moving on, uh, so you mentioned about Neil Day. There's (laughs) there's been quite a few news out of Neil. We saw the updated Neil S8. They did 300,000 production milestone. Uh, Lee Hong said they're going to deliver the 300,000th vehicle on New Year's Day, which means, theoretically, December, we're looking at well over 20,000, 20K in deliveries. Right. So I'm expecting nothing less than 20K, (laughs) which is a record. And finally, kind of a boom moment. (laughs) And sends them into 2023 on very, very, very good momentum, positive momentum. Yeah. And, uh, and and the other rumor is that they're coming out first with those two brands. Uh, one is supposedly de- dedicated to an export market. So that's been chatted. And the other one's kind of the Maybach <laughs> uh, ultra luxury model or something. So, so <laughs> that's the one thing that I wanted to ask you about, Late. They're only for export. That means that they're going to still be built in China. Yes, because what I, what I read was they were only for the foreign markets. I didn't read that it was actually going to be manufactured in China. So that's what I wasn't uh, sure about. At least at the very beginning, right? Okay, yeah, 
Not to mention BYD announced that they will be launching another brand, professional and personal brand, whatever that means. Not the Yang Wang brand. Not the Yang Wang brand. <laughs> so, so we're so, talking a third brand now. So, so right there, brand. we have already four or five brands out of a lot more that's launching, still launching. <laughs> and we can point back to Durant the GM CEO about vertical integration and all these different brands, right? Because effectively what BYD and NEO is doing is creating tiered brands so that even if you get a promotion or you get a raise, you can upgrade from a mass market NEO car that might not be branded NEO to a NEO car. And then once you make your McMillions, then you go into the Neo Maybach car. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I forget his first name. Durant, who was the GM CEO, he effectively William? came up. Yeah, William Durant. Yeah. He effectively came up with a strategy of, okay, when you're young, you buy Pontiac, uh, you get a raise, you get a promotion, you go into a Chevy. And as you get older, more mature, more established, more successful, you move into the Buick and then you end up in a Cadillac. And so what we're seeing is history repeating itself a little bit. Yeah, so lots going on, lots going on. Um, and then whereas if we move on to Lee Auto, they had their recently uh, earnings call. Lee Auto is a completely much more focused company in terms of doing that Russian doll strategy, which Li Xiang said in one of the recent interviews in, in that late post-auto media platform, he said all the successful brands, including Dyson, Braun, Apple, they're all Russian dolls. So that, that's what we're trying to do <laughs> with, <laughs> with the L9, A7, and then later on 6. And, <laughs> you know, it's... It's, it's, a, an Audi, it's an Audi strategy, too, because uh, 4, 6, 8... Man. They kind of look. The thing is, all their models look exactly the same except the size. Yes. And he's trying to go with the Max Pro based on different chipsets. And then the way he segments the, the, the vehicles or the market is basically pricing and seating. That's, that's how he does it. And focus on families. I, I don't think they're doing, going to launch any other brands, at least not yet. Well, their next, next major move because of the Russian doll strategy, is moving to an EV platform. So, Which, by the way, he says has a completely different design, styling, format, a form factor. So we'll, we'll see about that. And then the... And it should, because the system is different, right? So it's going to have a bit more flexibility on the design, the interior space, yeah. and usage, so... And then we heard about that. Um, what happened to the one was they, they had an 800 million charge on it because they it was promised to these suppliers and they had to kind of write <laughs> yes write it off and, and that impacted the margins vehicle margins significantly in q3 from like over 20 percent to 12 percent so that was an interesting tidbit but it's it, i think it points back to how decisive they are about Very. taking that they taking that hit in one quarter right because some of that stuff is accounting okay so because you could account for it over a number of quarters or you can account for it over one quarter. And they decided to take the hit right away. So, yeah. And um, 
And he talked about, you know, the Matrix organization that, that he's kind of still learning on, on the planning to be a trillion MMB company. Hmm. They'll go, they'll get to a uh, hundred billion MMB next year, but he wants this to be a trillion MMB company. Remember that target he had, uh, eight million NAVs above 200,000 MMB in 2025. And the auto alone wants to take up 20% of that market, which is 1.6 million. That's still in place. And we're talking premium vehicles. So we're not talking mass market here. Relatively, yes. That's an ambitious goal. Yeah, it looks like they will not get uh, do anything under maybe uh, 200,000. So, Which 200,000 is actually a, a pretty inexpensive car in China. So if I were Lee Auto and I was selling L9s and L8s, I probably would stay away from anything too mass markety. So yeah, and um, other than that, I think he, he mentioned uh, roughly a one point five to one ratio of the L8 to L9 delivery. So say uh, fifteen thousand to ten thousand, respectively, going forward. So that's that's over twenty thousand. So I guess neck and neck with uh, Neil. And while they only really have two products currently. So I think it goes to show that resiliency that Lee Auto has versus some of the schizophrenia of some of these EV companies. Yeah. So next year, basically the L7 and that one new BEV. Yeah. And Edison brought that up today was that their share price seems to be the most resilient out of all the EV companies. We see the challenges that Xpeng had. Neo had some some hiccups, but I wouldn't say they had real challenges this year, right? Yeah, but again, the bait is on the e-rev technology route. It's it's a lot of people question it, you know, for whatever it's worth. Maybe if if they were all BVs, I'm sure they they probably would get a much higher uh, valuation or something, right? So so yeah. I'm good on my side. Well, you know, it's getting around the holidays, so I think um, I don't really have <laughs> that much else. Because people are uh, are into that holiday mood already. Yeah. By the way, it was good to see. So um, Ralph Brandsetter, he posted on LinkedIn that there were some FAW executives visiting Germany, higher-ups. So I think it's good to see. And then once New Year comes around, He'll probably be back with Oliver Boomer because he said he's going to be in China for a week. And we also heard that that I think Volkswagen is is doing an extraordinary general meeting tomorrow. So we'll see what happens there uh, right before the holidays. And then tonight, later tonight, we'll hear from the uh, FF strategy update from their new CEO. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll tune in. We'll try to tune in and see where they're going. <laughs> one 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 thing we should mention during the investor call lay is Edison had asked us if we were to rank <laughs> ABB, Audi, BMW, Benz, who we thought would be the most successful in 2023. I am in agreement with you. We both said Mercedes would probably be the best out of the three. And uh you went two and three. I just said Mercedes, but I think you also said BMW was number two and Audi was, would be number three, I think, right? So yeah. I actually think that Audi might do better than BMW because BMW has those challenges with their product and their pricing. 
And I don't see any significant changes in that strategy for 2023 yet. And so I don't know how many times you can overprice a product and then reduce that price in a two, three month time period. So hopefully the products, and, and I'm, this is, my memory's not working well today. I don't, I don't know which products they're actually launching next year, but it's an own goal. To me, it's an own goal that they don't know the market well enough that they would need to reprice their, their products in such a short period of time. So, Yeah. And Mercedes is relatively more independent now that they've, they've pushed the Daimler truck into, into a separate entity and Audi is within a larger VW group. Yes. So, yeah. So different dynamics. Yeah. Cause I think, I think the, the reason, one of the reasons I think you would agree with me is that Mercedes is only really other brand is smart. And for BMW, the only other brand is Mini. Whereas Volkswagen Group has a stable of brands. No, just hearing that Smart was having some problems delivering vehicles uh, in in China. Uh, I didn't read too much into it, but um, I just I just saw a headline somewhere. Yeah, like COVID factory shut down or no, no, not COVID. I think it's a product related uh, okay. or process related issue. So. Yeah, and then we're still waiting for the uh, Mini. What's happening with Mini with that Spotlight Automotive? That's that's been awfully uh, quiet recent years. So th- those are some of the things that that we can look forward to in twenty three. And I mentioned that I could see the ET five selling easily twenty thousand units a month towards the end of twenty twenty three. I think you were a bit more conservative, but I think we both were long neo because they seem to have launched all their major products for 2022 and now will reap the benefits of a good number of new products for 2023. Okay. Fairly new. And uh, the last thing lay that I wanted to mention was I saw an article in CNEV post that, or was it Gasco that Xpeng is now going to be launching three products in 2023. Did you see that? Yes, yes. I think that was their plan. Anyways, so P, with the okay. P7 refreshed, P7 being being probably uh, most important. Okay, because I didn't I didn't get into the the details. I didn't have time. So one is a refresh. They're not new products per se. Yeah. Okay. I think the P7 refresh could couldn't be a better time for them because of the challenges that they have dealt with in 2022 so so we should have two more episodes two more uh weeks and then uh we'll be i guess now probably sometime next week we'll drop our latest uh, max episode uh it, it's it's pretty f- much finalized um just just getting the last kinks out <laughs> <laughs> we try not to drop max episodes at the end of the week kind of thing so yeah right so with with uh, uh, Zach Anderson, CTO of Clear Motion, who by the way is in China right now as we speak, so it's an in- interesting story on uh, suspension. Meeting with people, meeting with people, pressing the pumps. He got he had to quarantine for eight days, and it sounds like yeah, I think he he went at the most interesting time. <laughs> yes, so that's that's. So business, it it's still it right. I mean, we we talk about everything being stopped. Business is still going on. And my my buddy Bill Bishop, 
had mentioned to me that January 9th is the rumor to get zero plus three. I feel like every week there's going to be going forward, there's going to be some new policy that point to more further opening up. That's that's the sense that I get. So, I mean, with, with whatever is going on, it, it's natural that, that there's no point in, in quarantining, right? I think it is a common courtesy, though, that if you know you have COVID, because people are still testing, sure, right? Sure, There have been a couple of companies that have reached out to me and said that they were happy to send me testing kits and, and masks because uh, they ordered enough for their staff. And so I think that Chinese New Year coming in mid-January or late January or whatever. January 22nd. In 2023 is a blessing in disguise. It'll help with that herd immunity that China needs to get to. I'm still fearful for a certain percentage of the elderly population that have not been vaccinated. Right. I think there's still a lot of risk there. And I was watching CNN last night, and the journalist said that China has four intensive care beds for every 100 patients or one for every 1,000 patients. And the United States has 24. So any major outbreak among the elderly, then the hospitals will be very, very flooded. And so I'm hoping that does not happen. So so far, we haven't seen it becoming too extreme. I mean, people are getting COVID, but... And you you and I have a Beijing-Shanghai bias, but if we talk to our friends in Shenzhen, business is normal, life is normal, there are no... COVID ripping through that community yet. So it'll go in waves and um, it, it's going to be at least through Q1 before anything really kind of normalizes, I think. So, all right then, man. Hey, thanks for listening, everyone. I'd like to think, Lay, that you and I could put in a little effort for the last episode of the year to kind of do our top 10 like we did last year. Uh, so for those listeners, the last episode of 2022, we are going to do our top 10 of the year and our outlook for 2023. We hinted at some of that in this week's episode, but uh, we'll get into more detail in it in two weeks. Yeah, we still have a little bit more than two weeks left, so uh, I'm still hoping that there's a wild card, some kind of a wild card policy that would come out that, that would kind of shift the trajectory a little bit. So we'll see. Well, if nothing else, the IRA is going to get finalized. And you know, the Chinese government's also going to want to, just because it's the Chinese government, they're going to want to counterpart that somehow. <laughs> so, but that might not be until after Chinese New Year where something right. gets launched. Two so, sessions. Yes. Yeah. But hey, uh, thanks again, everyone, for joining. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. And Lei, I will talk to you on WeChat, buddy. Yep, thank you all. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. That brings us to the end of this week's show. Lei and I thank you for tuning in. My name is Tu Lee, and you can find me on Twitter at SinoAutoInsight. That's S-I-N-O-A-U-T-O-I-N-S-I-G-H-T. You can find Lei on Twitter at LeiXing77. 
That's L-E-I-X-I-N-G-7-7. If you wouldn't mind rating and or reviewing us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you grab your podcast from, we'd appreciate that as well. Even better, if you enjoy this show, please tell your friends about it. Please join us again next week as we track down all the latest news on China, EVs, and more.